Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave comments and reviews. The show is also on Facebook, Twitter, Google Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. The website for the show is theactorsroom.libson.com. This site gives you access to all past episodes. Enjoy the show. Yes. Hello there. My name is Jeff Tarowski, and this is The Actors' Room, episode number 80. And this week, we highlight an actor that is absolutely and ridiculously amazing. This is a very important episode of this show. Maybe one of the most important episodes I will ever ever do. Mickey Rourke is quite a character. I've talked about many people in this podcast, many actors, mostly, some musicians. I felt David Bowie was an amazing figure, quite talented, had a lot of contribution to his art, our art, David Bowie was incredible. Mickey Rourke falls under a category that almost doesn't exist. And when I say that, I mean, this guy was very much like a Marlon Brando. You know how much I appreciate Brando. I've said it in my show many times. Mickey resembled Brando in his acting style. To me, a natural. Just had it. God blessed him with this talent. Just a wonderful, wonderful, uh, rare ability that Mickey has. And thankfully, he chose to share it with us. And if you out there don't know about Mickey... I hope you enjoy this episode. Lots of information. <laughs> He's quite the character, this guy. Um, I've been following his career uh, since I watched Diner. One of his most popular films way back in the day, early in his career. Fell in love with that film. And I fell in love with him. As much as I love the Kevin Bacon character in Diner, Mickey Rourke, Prove to me that he was an actor I would follow, pay attention to, watch all of his films. He's special, a very special talent, and I can't wait to dive into this guy. <laughs> what a guy, right? <laughs> it's going to be fun, interesting, and I'm hoping to get it into one part. If it's two, hey, these things happen. I'll, I'll have to break it down cut in half and continue on maybe next week, but we'll see what happens. I'm hoping to fit it into one part and me keep talking. Uh, will lower those chances. I, I will get on to Mickey, his real name. Okay. Get this. Didn't know this. I thought his name was Mickey. It's a nickname. Mickey is a nickname that his mom gave him his real name 
is Philip Andre Rourke, the same name of his real father. Philip? He doesn't look like a Phil. Does he look like a Phil? He looks nothing like a Phil. And Mickey says he actually likes the name Phil and thought about changing it back at one point. Andre, though, looks nothing like an Andre, but that's his father's name. And his father was kind of a dick. Left the family when Mickey was six years old. The mom and dad obviously did not get along. Mom hated dad. And that's why mom chose to call him Mickey. A nickname instead of calling him Phil. Because it would remind her of the dad. Mr. Rourke, the father, was a carpenter and an alcoholic. Mother's name is Annette. But I find this interesting. I saw an interview with Rourke at the actor studio. And James Lipton, the host of the show, asked him what his mother's name was. Mickey paused, thought about it, and just said, M. He said his mom's name was M. What does... what? And James Lipton looked at him and said, what was with the pause and why just M? And Mickey just simply said, well, shit happens. Here you find Mickey having issues with his mom. Obviously. Couldn't even say her real name. Her real name is Annette. He referenced her as M. M, short for mom. He couldn't even say mom. Deep resentment in this man. The deep resentment comes to this. When his parents got divorced, the mom remarried. She remarried a cop and they moved down to Florida. Mickey was around seven. When they moved to Florida, because originally Mickey grew up in upstate New York and the cop had the family moved to Florida, Miami. This cop beat on the mom and also beat on the kids. Little Mickey, he's a younger brother, Joey, and he also has a sister. The cop would beat on him. And Mickey took it. He took the hits. He took the abuse. But that didn't really scar him that much. What really just got to him was the fact that he couldn't protect his little brother, Joey. Mickey absolutely loves his little brother with passion, with love, a brotherly love that cannot be denied. You see it in his eyes. Whenever he brings up Joey, his little brother, he tears up. And it just fucking pissed him off that at the age of seven, eight, nine, he wasn't big enough yet to defend against this fucking asshole beating the entire family. You got abuse. And there's nothing Mickey could do. He took that on. And it affected him for the rest of his life. In school, Mickey did pretty bad. He said his grades were mostly D's and F's. Except for gym class. He liked gym class. 
His grandmother, though, was a positive influence on his life. She read to him, and he listened. She brought Mickey a bit of culture, and he took it in, accepted it. He smiles upon what his grandmother gave him in this time of his life of struggle, and he needed a light. The grandmother gave that to Mickey. He went to Miami Beach High School. He played baseball and hated the coach. This is a theme you're going to see with Mickey with authority. He didn't like it. He didn't like being told what to do and when to do it. The coach would want him to pay attention to the signs that they do at third base, the third base coach. And Mickey would stare and just ignore them. (laughs) And do what he wanted. This theme will come up throughout the episode of Mickey, uh, you know, standing up for himself. Okay. He wasn't afraid to tell anybody what was on his mind and in the future will hurt his career. And this is important at this time in his life. Mickey went to the theater, the movie theater, and he saw a film, a Brando film. Thank you. Thank you. Mickey brings up Brando a lot. Ha! <clears throat> I knew I loved the guy. I didn't know why doing my research. I found out why. He loves Brando. And he brought up Brando often. And says that one of the very first movies he ever saw. Mutiny on the Bounty. With Marlon Brando. And I saw that movie a while ago. I liked it. It was panned. Audiences hated it. Well, they didn't hate it that much, but it didn't do well. It didn't recoup the money that, you know, these things happen. Brando was a, just a wreck at this point in his life. It was just so difficult on set. But Mickey brings up mutiny and says he was just blown away by the performance of Marlon Brando in this movie, especially at the end when Brando dies, the death scene. A lot say, Many say that death scene is monumental. And Brando would have ice put on his back to shiver as he's dying. Very real. And Mickey liked that. He liked that performance. It intrigued him. Could be that spark in the very beginning that gave him an interest. That might be something. I'd want to do in the future. He's pretty young at this time. I had that experience too. Just going to live theater. Seeing it done on stage is much different from going to a movie and seeing it. I mean, it's good to go to the theater and see a movie. But seeing live shows. I was blown away by a live show. That's what got me interested in acting. When I saw it, you know, live. On stage. These actors just doing their thing. And I could see it right there. These people doing it for real. Um, Rourke got that. Watching Mutiny on the Bounty. Marlon Brando. Oh yes. Coming up early in this episode. Thank you Mr. Rourke. In 1971. Mickey was a senior in high school. And had his first small role. It was a school play. And it was called The Serpent. So I like to point out. Their first 
acting job or work, and most do start on stage in high school. I did. I'm finding through my research, most actors start in high school. It's probably not a big surprise. You think, well, of course, right? But not all. Most do. And Mickey did too, his senior year. I was a junior. Mickey is senior. It really wasn't a big part of his life. Like, he wasn't doing this stuff, like, as a kid. His first one was at the age of 17. His senior year. And the high school he went to, I think I said before, I'm going to say it again. Miami Beach, senior high. Try looking this up. Not there. On classmates.com. I would have loved to have seen Mickey Rourke's picture in the yearbook. And right, he played baseball. He probably would have been uh, with the baseball picture holding a little bat. Damn it. <laughs> I get, it's really kind of it's really kind of sad. And my brother would fucking laugh at me, but I actually get super fucking excited. Going on to classmates.com, like I look up on Wikipedia, like Mickey Rourke, for example, doing my research this week, and I see where he went to school. Okay, write it down. See what year he graduated. Sometimes they don't say that. You got to figure it out. You got to write down. Okay, he was born in 1952. So when was he 17, 16? You know, I write down the year. And I get excited. I, I go to classmates.com. I know. I'm like a little kid at Christmas. Why? Why is this thing with me? Looking at these old yearbooks, I get excited. Like, I go in there. I'm like, all right. He went to Miami Beach High. All right. Put that in. And, and I, okay, it comes up. And sometimes these high schools, some are so small, like, they don't come up. There's no yearbooks on there. I'm like, fuck. Well, it came up. His school is there. I'm like, all right. First thing, got got to school. All right, we're, we're almost there. And then I look up the year. I'm like, all right. There's like a list of all the years that classmates.com has the yearbooks for. So I scroll down. I'm like, all right, 1971, right? I'm like, all right. And they don't have it. Motherfucker. I'm like, damn it. Like, you know what pisses me off too? Like, I know. I just get so angry. Like, classmates.com will have like, 1973, 1969, but they won't have 70. I'm just like, fuck, what are the chances? It's like they do it on purpose. Like, <laughs> he wants to see 71, right? Uh-uh, ain't in there. Sorry, buddy. So let's just say this. I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> I didn't get to see. And, and what's funny, too, like, it wouldn't be Mickey Rourke, I'm sure. It would have been Philip. Rourke in the yearbook. I get off on that shit. I know. I'm just crazy. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm getting back on track, looking at my beautiful, beautiful notes here. Okay. I'm starting to feel it now. Like, I'm not kidding. I was nervous going into this episode. I sat here in my little room, in my closet, for 10 minutes. I'm not kidding. I sat here. I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? Usually I just fucking do it. Like, but with Mickey Rourke, I really, I'm like, I can't fuck this up. 
I kind of knew what, what I'm going to say. I, okay. And I sat here and I was blank. I'm looking down at my notes. I'm like, okay, maybe I should start off with a quote, right? No, I'm doing it at the end. That would be stupid. I'm not going to do that. Like some of Mickey's quotes are just priceless. They're just really good. And I thought I'll start out doing that. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And I didn't. I did some, something completely different. As soon as I press record, like everything goes out the fucking window. It's like, <laughs> I'm all ready, all prepared. I sat here for 10 minutes. I have like, I got tea here. Like, I'm going to sip on my tea. Mm. <sighs> because my voice will get all, you know, dry and stuff. I'm finding, you know, I got tea here for my vocal cords. But I sat here for 10 minutes just sitting here. I was nervous about doing Mickey Rourke's show. I mean, <laughs> dear, why are you getting nervous, dude? Well, what do you get nervous about? It's a podcast. Like, nobody's sitting across from me. I got clothes across from me. I got sweaters and I'm looking at my wife's section here. She's got so many fucking sweaters. It's it's incredible. I, my section is so small compared to hers, which is, you know, that's common. I got, I got stuff like from the freaking 90s over here. Like, I, don't thought, I probably wore this shirt in high school. Like, I should burn it. Oh, God. Got 90s shit over here, I think. Anyway, so I was kind of nervous about this show because I don't want to fuck it up. I know. So I'm trying to, you know, get that out of my system or feeling good, feeling good. All right. Mickey Rourke just, he does that to me. I've said in the past, like I will watch his films and I just, I, I can't help but watch another one like back to back. It's like not enough to watch just one. He's like a potato chip of acting. He's like Lay's potato chips. You try one, you're like, I'm just going to have one. No way. I have to watch like a handful of his films to get like, you know, to be pleased, to be fulfilled. He's so fucking good. I can't wait to continue on here. My little rant. I do that sometimes. I think it's over. I said I was going to look at my notes about what was that about eight minutes ago. Jeff, look at your notes. I'm doing that right now. <clears throat> this is significant right here. After high school, 1971, graduated. I'm actually kind of surprised he graduated. <laughs> From what he talked, like, <laughs> maybe the teachers felt sorry for him, getting D's and F's. Maybe he embellished that, but he graduated. After high school, he really concentrated on boxing. At first, it was a hobby, but later, something more. He trained at the boys' club in Miami. And boxing, I think, was a good way for this kid to punch something, to let it out. He had a lot of anger in him. And punching the bag and another person helped him get that shit out. He needed to, this guy. He had a rage inside of him. And boxing helped him. He hit, and he hit hard, and he trained. It really did fulfill not only that anger thing inside of him, it simply gave him something to do, and he loved it. 
he fell in love with boxing. His fighting name, he took on boxing, right? And he made a name for himself. Okay, not Mickey Rourke. He called himself Florence Romeo. Now that's tough. Florence? Where do they get these names? Like Florence, he maybe did this, thinking, I'm going to think of the pussiest name I can imagine. And if I could take that on and not be embarrassed by it, it I'll make it look tough. I kind of like that in a way. You may laugh at Florence, Flo, call him Flo. And he made it tough. That's how tough he was. There you go, Mickey. He also trained at Fifth Street Gym, very popular gym. His amateur record, here we go. Listen to his record he had as an amateur boxer. 27 and 3. He was a pretty good boxer. Okay, states. Okay. I got to say this. I kind of messed up there. I don't want to erase it. Fuck it. I'm just going to I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> In the past I'd make mistakes, go back, erase it. I just waste time. Fuck that. I make mistakes. Deal with it. I'm human, right? I make mistakes in the show. I'm just going to move forward. Mickey states that he hates to work. He just hates working. And this is why. He spent most of his childhood working. He worked as a child. At the age of five, he would sell candy on the streets. Seems to me the kid was put to work at a young age to support the family or to help with paying bills and putting food on the table. Kind of sad. And a reason why he hates work so much. Uh, Mickey says that he even would spend several years digging ditches for work. That's some shitty work. And what makes it even shittier is that it was in Florida. I'm not sure if any of you out there, I'm sure most of you have, been to Florida in the summer. I'm talking about the middle of July, August. That's when we would go out there, me and my family, summer vacation, right? We go out, visit my family in Florida. It was great. But it was so hot. I remember playing basketball outside with my cousin at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We would play for like five minutes, be completely exhausted, dripping sweat, and just fall into the pool. Imagine working in that. And my uncle worked outside in Florida, and he'd wake up at like four in the morning. And you'd hear him in the morning, putting all the ice in his cooler, just breaking, cracking ice, filling his uh, cooler with ice at four in the morning. They have to work so early. Because by noon, you are done. Like You don't want to work at that point. You got to work in the early morning to survive. And poor Mickey Rourke, at a young age, was digging ditches in the beaming hot sun of the Florida skies. Beating down on him. Hard work. Shitty work. And a reason why he hated to work. He felt that, I can't do this anymore. He was a bigger kind of kid. So 
He could do the work, but it breaks your back. It breaks your spirit. It just breaks you. So he's like, fuck that shit. I'm done. (laughs) I'm going to try to do something else. And this is what he, uh, (laughs) this is where he went. This is what he tried to do next. He tried to be a gangster, folks, in Miami. (laughs) Whoa, okay. He thought, why not? Digging ditches sucks. Being a gangster might pay off. I might be good at this. We'll see. We'll see if I could do this. (laughs) This is for real. Mickey Rourke at a young age, teenager, was selling drugs for a living in Miami. I guess one of the drug deals early on in his gangsta life went bad. Bullets flew around him. And he says, it ain't like the movie, folks. Okay? It's not like the movies. It all happens real fast. Bullets fly past your head. And you go, okay, uh, Mickey at that point realized, uh, being a gangster, not for me. Kind of want to (laughs) live, don't want to die, woke him up to the gangster life, and uh, that was over. And thankfully, thank God, thank you God, a friend of his at the University of Miami, was it? The University of Miami, uh, A friend told him, Mickey, I'm about to do a play. I'm directing it. One of my actors quit. Fucking bastard. Just quit. He bolted. I need to fill his role. And I'm thinking, you might be good at acting. You said you did a little in high school. You liked it. You want to do it again? Uh, And Mickey, off of his uh, fresh, off of his gangster life, uh, you know, pretty much over. Hey, he had nothing going on, right? Digging deep ditches, done. Done with that. Uh, you know, selling drugs on the streets of Miami. Not for me. Acting. Yeah, sure, buddy. <laughs> Mr. Director, uh, I'll be in your show. It was, a, it was a play, right? Yes, it was a play. It was called Death Watch. And... How the man playing the role of Green Eyes, right? This other actor, he quit. So he took on the role. Work got the part. And immediately, right after doing that role, he became enamored with acting. He just fell in love again. And instead of boxing being the love, okay, which he did well and was pretty good at it, had a great record, but boxing hurts. After a while, he, he, was showing, he was showing signs as a boxer, okay, that he was losing his memory, short-term memory. And getting bashed in the face a lot hurts. And, you know, he was done at that time with boxing. Acting, you know, uh, you're not going to get hurt as much. Emotionally, you might, okay? But he was ready to take that on. Uh, this was a... A hobby at first, maybe, but I think he realized after doing this play, Death Watch, and people telling him, Mickey, you're fucking good as an actor. Keep going. See what happens. Thankfully, he did. Thank you. Thank you for hating being a gangster. 
God bless you, sir. You're not a gangster, Mickey. You are an actor. He decided at this time to drop everything, or what he had, and move to New York City. Oh, yes, he did. He was completely broke. But his sister gave him $400 to get him started. Only $400. And he thinks of that today. And thanks his sister. Thank you, sis. (laughs) Because if it wasn't for his sister loaning him or just giving him $400 to get him started. Mickey studied with Walter Lott and Sandra Seacat for three years. He was always afraid to do scene work. He was shy in that way. His teacher finally had him do an exercise. Other students were getting up in class, doing their scenes, and Mickey just sat there. Teacher would say, Mickey, your turn. And Mickey would say, not yet. (laughs) Mickey, it's a week later. Mickey, ready to do your scene work? Uh, no, still not ready. This frustrated his teachers, especially... Sandra, Sandra Seacat, she tried and had to break this kid. He had the talent. She saw it. But he was afraid to let go in front of people in class. I said I wanted to do an acting class episode, acting school episode. And I mentioned that acting school isn't for everyone. It's not. Mickey felt he needed it. Acting school was for him. And he did it. But he was afraid to get up in front of the other kids in class. (laughs) He was bashful, shy, afraid. Mickey Rourke was afraid, ladies and gentlemen. Does that strike you as interesting? It does for me. Because he looks so confident. Look at him act. All the roles that you've seen him in. You think... That guy was never afraid to do anything, but he was in the beginning. Uh, Some actors aren't, some students aren't, most are. I noticed that. In my class, a lot of kids are just, they want to act so bad. Like they know they could do it. They have the talent, the, the, the drive. But once you're faced with it in class, you're like, holy shit. I want to impress these people so much. These are your colleagues, your teachers, not high school. Like when you're performing in front of high school, your friends, okay, it's different. When you're in front of classmates, teachers, you're like, you have to, you feel like you have to like overperform. And that's when you mess up and you don't want to do that. Mickey was afraid. So Sandra, his teacher. Gave him an exercise and said, what do you love? What would make you feel comfortable, Mickey? And Mickey thought, boxing. I love to box. Boxing. How can I do something with boxing? I'm going to give you an exercise. I want you to come into the room next week. Okay? Your space. Make it your space. Whatever it is. And Mickey made it the, the locker room 
uh, right before a boxing match, getting ready, getting ready for a fight. And he sat down. He made the room specific. Everything in there made sense. And he got boots, put them on like he, he laced them. Being specific. Really doing it. Not faking it. Actually lacing them correctly. Making it real. And he broke through. At that moment. The teacher did it. She made Mickey feel comfortable on stage. By making things specific to him. He felt comfortable there. And this was a breakthrough for Mickey Rourke. Feeling comfortable. Not only in front of his classmates. Which was important. And the teacher. But with himself. That's a big thing. To be comfortable with you. Sounds fucked up, right? You think, uh, I could be comfortable with me. I don't have to worry about me. Yeah, you do. You got to worry about you. (laughs) And as an actor, being you is hard. (laughs) To just be you. Like, they'd say, you're being naked. You got to show your true self to us. Not that other shit that you do fake shit. I want to see Mickey. The real guy. That's hard. And in that exercise. Being in that boxing atmosphere. Something he loved. Something he knew about. He knew about that shit. Put him in a place of. Safeness. Is that a word? It is now. I just put it in the dictionary. In the thesaurus. He was safe in that environment. Breakthrough for Mickey Rourke. A huge step in his process. As an actor in the early stages. And the teachers knew. They were talking about this kid. In the late 60s, early 70s. When he was in acting school. There was a buzz about Mickey Rourke. This kid is going to be incredible. People were talking about him. Getting a taste right there and then. That Mickey Rourke was going to be big. Okay. The actor's studio. Not the actor's room. That's the podcast. The actor's studio. Founded by Lee Strasberg. A monumental touchstone, just amazing school back then. Okay? Right before it lost its swagger, because it did. It's called like the Strasbourg School of Theater now. It's not even called the Actor Studio. And they may have changed it since then. I'm not sure. That's what they called it in the 90s when I went to acting school. They would cut it in like three sections. For me, uh, with acting schools, there was Juilliard and only like the elite went to Juilliard. Plus, you had to be like incredibly smart. Um, But in acting school, you had the Strasbourg School, which some kids went to. You had the Neighborhood Playhouse and you had the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And kids would boast that they went to the Strasbourg School of Theater. And I, 
I always was like, well, whatever. You know, I was never big on the Strasbourg technique, the method. I thought it doesn't work for everybody. I just, I didn't get it. I liked the Meissner technique that they taught at the Playhouse. I thought that was really good. And the kids would boast about going to Strasbourg. They didn't even call it the actor's studio. But back in the day, the actor's studio was the place to be. It was. Like, if you got in there, like, (laughs) that was a big fucking deal. That was it, baby. And Mickey was right in the middle. At that time, being in New York City, studying acting, getting into the actor's studio, like, that was primo. Get this. I love these stats. Fucking listen to this. I don't know why, but here it is. Harvey Keitel auditioned 11 times to get into the actor's studio. 11. Took him 11. Jack Nicholson auditioned five times. Got in. Dustin Hoffman auditioned six times. Six. Before he got in. How many times did it take Mickey Rourke to get in? One. One time. One time. One. Once. That's how amazing, brilliant, and genius Mickey Rourke is. Famous and legendary director and fellow actor studio alum, Leah Kazan. Big time actor, big time director, just big time back then. Aaliyah Kazan said, that was the greatest audition I've seen in 33 years. Kazan said that. Look up Kazan if you don't know who Kazan is. (laughs) Kazan was like, I can't even like, I've, I, uh, Aaliyah Kazan was like, He was involved in the group theater. Uh, He was incredible. Kazan knew his shit. And if Kazan... uh, He like molded Brando, this guy. Or one of the people that did. If Kazan says that to you, or just says it, period. uh, That's saying something, I think. I'm making a big deal out of this. But uh, I should. And you should hear it. It's big. Mickey Rourke deserves the accolades that I'm giving him. And a lot of people should, in my opinion. Uh, He kind of is a dick in some ways. And not. As we go through this episode in describing him. Getting to know who he is. There's a reason why he is so great as an actor. Uh, He's got a lot of shit inside. Like a lot of issues. Ones that have a lot of issues tend to just... And if they're able to do it, to show it to us, they're the great ones, folks. 
because they're able to just show us their hurt, show us their pain, and we go. Mickey Rourke was able to do that in his audition to get into the actor's room. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, he auditioned to get into the actor's room. To get into the actor's studio in the early 70s. One time, folks. He just needed that one time. His audition was so amazing. And he went there, so to speak. The scene was from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Great play. Written by Tennessee Williams. Okay, it was a play. The uh, I think they made a few movies. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor was in it. Paul Newman. I thought it was pretty boring. <laughs> Never seen it. I watched it like a month ago. I was sick. I wasn't feeling well. I had a sinus infection. And I was just up. And I'm flipping through. And I'm like, cat on a hot tin roof. Never seen it. I, I gotta see this, right? I'm like, oh, God. Why do I not like this movie? I'm sure Mickey put a good spin on it. Okay. Had a scene from Hot Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. And he struggled in the scene. Like when they practiced it. I'm sure him and his partner. You have a scene partner. You hope that they're at least decent. (laughs) I've had bad scene partners. But not many. I've mostly had great scene partners. I, I was lucky. I was. And thankfully my teacher... Uh, teachers would put me in with a great scene partner. Thank you. Mickey hopefully had a decent scene partner. I'm sure they worked on a scene over and over again. And it just wasn't working. Mickey was frustrated. And the teacher could see also that he was frustrated too. She had an idea. Mickey. I need you to get personal again. Mickey's like, oh, fuck. Here we go. What are you doing to me, teach? But she did have a good idea. And this was a very important reason why Mickey got into the actor's studio. He nailed the scene because he got personal. The teacher told him, you need to go find your real dad. And Mickey was like, fuck, I... Find my real dad. He left us when we were six. He's an asshole. I don't know if that's such a good idea. The teacher said, you need to find him and have a conversation with your real father. It'll help. Believe me, it'll be worth it. Mickey made a few phone calls and had a pretty damn good idea where he could find his dad. And mind you, he hasn't seen his dad in years. And he says that when he was little, okay, his dad would take him to a burger place, White Castle, and they would have burgers together, something they enjoyed doing together. And Mickey remembered that. So he gave that a try. Went to White Castle, sat there for a while, and noticed a guy sitting kind of far away. The guy had his back to Mickey, but he looked so familiar. The way his back looked, in his arms, in his hands. They looked like mine, he said. 
That's my dad. Sitting right there. Mickey froze up. He actually froze up. I haven't seen him in so long. And I found him. Like, he couldn't believe he actually found him. Right? So Mickey sat there and just watched his dad. And of course, his dad's back was to him. So his dad didn't see him. His dad got up when he was done with his burgers, whatever, and walked past Mickey. Mickey didn't say a word. He was so scared. Watched his father leave the restaurant, get into his shitty car, started, and watched him almost leave the parking lot. And I say almost because he watched his father in his car Refused to move ahead at the traffic stop, at the light, as it turned green to red three times. His father didn't move. Was he contemplating? Yeah, he sure was. He turned the car around, parked it, and went back into the restaurant. And confronted his son. I have to really read this. It's full kind of emotional. (laughs) Weird like that. Quote. I looked too much like him. Mickey said. And I didn't like that. So I stood in the gutter. So I would be smaller than him. End of quote. His father told him this. Quote. I always knew you would come for me someday and find me. End of quote. His dad took him to eat. And they talked for seven hours that night. Quote, this is from Mickey. He bought me pork chops, mashed potatoes, and sauerkraut. And my dad had 22 screwdrivers. His dad had 22 screwdrivers while sitting with his son. That's a lot of vodka and orange juice, folks. This, uh, Mickey says, after this, I never saw him again. That was it. Personal, personal stuff. The very next day, Mickey Rourke auditioned for the actor's studio. There you go. He nailed the scene, of course. Thousands and thousands of acting hopefuls auditioned that year for the studio. Thousands. Lee Strasberg picked five to enter that year. And of course, Mickey was one of them. Mickey Rourke appeared in several television films in the beginning of his career. Then got his first break in Steven Spielberg's film 1941. That was written by Robert Zemeckis. But his big break came as the arsonist in a little film called 
Body Heat in 1981. Oh boy. Did Mickey Rourke steal scenes. And I am just enamored with that concept. You got a movie, right, Body Heat? Good movie. It's okay. You know, I saw it a long time ago I, I, as a kid. Okay, this came out in 81, right? I remember watching it. Probably shouldn't have. Kathleen Turner is gorgeous. She helped a lot of young teens in the 80s. You know, becoming men. Oh, she did. That woman was hot. And this movie was hot. Okay. She was hot. It was hot. And so was Mickey Rourke, man. He stole scenes. And like I said, that concept is just got a movie and it's good. And the acting's pretty good. You got hot Kathleen Turner. It's going great. And you got this guy. Okay. He's in two scenes, I think. Two. A total of five minutes on the screen, folks. Just five minutes. That movie's like two hours, like most movies are. But this kid, young in his career, this is like his first big movie, actually. 1941 wasn't that good. I mean, you can find it. It's on Providers. 1941. Eh. But Body Heat was good. William Hurt, that was his movie. I mean, he's in like 98% of it. Wark is in like, like what, 6% of it? If that. But he's great. Subtle. Okay, I have notes about this. <laughs> I, I gotta find them though. Because like, I go like way over here sometimes. I just, I look at the clothes all around me here in the closet and I just start talking about Mickey. I want to see if I can find the notes about this. Yeah. Yeah. Rourke has only a few scenes, right? But he's fantastic. The first scene he has with Hurt. He's lip syncing to Bob Seger. Love it. Love it. It's awesome. But he is all over that room. If you think about that scene, okay? That's his room. This is what he does. Just like he did in acting school, when he made that space his own, made it specific, he owned that room with Hurt as the arsonist. He's all over it. He's here. He's there. He's uh, fiddling with shit. Fucking with Hurt. He gets up on his bunk bed. He's got a fucking bunk bed in the scene. He climbs up on the bunk bed, (laughs) getting all comfortable. Like, you can't... like. It doesn't even, you know, cross your mind that this is not his space. (laughs) I love what he says to William Hurt. He goes, quote, are you listening to me, asshole? The way he says that. (laughs) I like you, okay? And there are 50 things that can go wrong, okay, in what you're doing. You think of 25, and you're a fucking genius. And you ain't no genius. (laughs) I love it. I almost knocked down my tea. Whoa, that would have been a mess. I'm just all over the place with Mickey. Talking about Mickey, I, I get more excited about talking about him than like anybody I've talked about. And I have a deep, deep love for a lot of actors like Brando. 
But I don't like. I, I didn't get this excited t- talking about Brando. You listen to my Brando episodes. I want to burn them. Oh, if you could burn audio on your uh, podcast, I'd love to burn those. Redo them completely. I was like this doing the episodes back in the day. I was like. I'm like, sound like I have marbles in my mouth. I wish I could redo all of those, but I didn't get that excited. Mickey, I'm like, uh, yeah, talking about the man. He is the man. And that small role, and it's incredible. Doing my research on this guy, I found there are a lot of people. That bring up this movie about Rourke. And doing the research and thinking about this movie again and kind of going over it. I'm like, wow. When I think of Rourke before I did my research, like this movie really, you know, I remember it. uh, But uh, going back and watching it, his scenes again, I was like... Yeah, okay. And people remember that role. One of his first. And maybe one of his best. Not a cameo, but just a small role. And wait a minute. I'm not done with Body Heat. I thought I was done. I I stopped my recording. I'm going to take a sip. I had a phlegm out, you know. Hmm. I did. And I, I did want to phlegm out like on the podcast episode. That'd be gross. You don't want to hear that. But I thought it was done with body heat. I'm not done. I have more notes. And that five minute performance he gave. Uh, I have more notes. Um, in every scene. I'm sorry. Did I fuck up there? I did. <laughs> I looked down at my notes sometimes. I'm like, what? Uh, I think that uh, I mess up with my writing, but I don't. I just can't read. <laughs> he tells William Hurt. I know. I. He tells William Hurt in that very first scene. I wish the movie was just that scene. Like, it's, oh, but you got to put Kathleen Turner in there naked, though. <laughs> she could be in the background. But when you see Mickey act, you're not even looking at Turner. Like, that's how good he is. If you had Kathleen Turner in the background naked, you'd still watch Mickey. It doesn't mean you're gay. It just means you like watching Mickey. Okay. This is good. In that first scene, okay, Kathleen Turner's not naked in that scene. So you're really paying attention. William Hurt smokes like, I don't know. 10,000 cigarettes in that whole movie. The guy just smokes the whole freaking time. It's incredible. The guy, I'm surprised he's not dead from that movie. I mean, he had like, I don't know how many cigarettes. Mickey tells him, you can't smoke in here. (laughs) I love that. I don't know why. I mean, he pretty much told William Hurt, stop your fucking smoking. You can't smoke in here. And it's probably not a good idea, right? I mean, they were making like a bomb in there. Kaboom! <laughs> oh, Mickey, I love you. I do. And oh, shit, folks. Holy shit. 
We are 53 minutes in. Oh, should I go one long one? Or do I stop it now? Hmm. Do a two-parter. I kind of wanted to make it one part. We'll see. Okay. Maybe we'll see where we go. I'm going to see here. I mean, because I talked about body heat for like an hour. No, I'm just kidding. Isn't he remarkable? See what I'm talking about with Rourke? I mentioned him several times in other episodes. I mean, he comes up. He does because... Exactly, right? You feel the same way. He's incredible. Diner. Remember Diner? Have you seen Diner? Okay, in 1982? With Steve Gutenberg, Paul Reiser, Daniel Stern's in it. There's a lot of... Uh, uh, Daly is in it. The guy from Wings. He was in Wings. He's in it. Uh, Ellen Barkin's in it. It was written and directed by Barry Levinson. Diner. 1982. Love this film. That's a film. That's not a movie. That's a film. Mickey Rourke displays his softness. Okay? But tough. I love that. He could do it. Very rare. Very cool. He's so cool in this movie. One of the coolest characters in film history. In Diner. So fucking cool. Cool guy. Diner. 1982. If you haven't seen it, shame on you. You go out tonight or today, bright and early the next morning, whatever you got to do. I checked. It's not on providers. It used to be. Like a year ago. For like three years. I'd see it on there. I'm like, Diner, awesome. I watch it. I wanted to watch it again, man. I did. And I'm like, no, they do that. They fuck with you. Netflix does. Hulu, they fuck with you. Getting raspy. Whoa, boy. Mm. I'm like yelling in this episode. I'm like excited, talking a mile a minute. I apologize. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to take a moment. Wow. I got to chill. I'm so sorry. There are probably listeners out there like looking at their device, whatever you're, how you're listening to me, looking at your device going, uh, whoo, cocaine. <laughs> Stay away. I'm not on coke. Not. I'm on tea. It is gold peak sweet with real sugar. That's not good. For, I can't. Uh, I shouldn't be doing this. It's so good. I love tea. Cold, hot. Love it. Lipton, Tetley. I love it all, folks. And this is uh, gold peak. It's good. Talking about diner, right? Look at my notes here. What did I have about... Oh, yeah. This is cute. This is good. Steve Gutenberg in the movie, right? Steve's good. I like Steve. Hasn't done anything in a while, but, you know, he's been doing it forever. Oof. Steve Gutenberg had this to say about Mickey Rourke. <laughs> he considered him a teacher. A teacher! <laughs> 
He was, okay. Gutenberg said, work would appear to be small in his work. Small gestures, small movements, just small in his work. And it puzzled Gutenberg. Like, what is he doing? He's failing as an actor. Okay? Gutenberg felt this way about Rourke at first. And then he saw the dailies, little tidbits of the film, and went, Whoa, I was completely wrong. You watch the film, and his moments are huge. Work didn't care too much for Diner. In his performance, he simply stated, I'm not a fan of comedy. And I personally feel that this movie was not a comedy. (laughs) Mick, uh, Mick, Mick, Uh, that wasn't a comedy, really. I mean, there's funny parts in it. Okay, horror movies have funny parts. Dramas do too. It's not all sad. There are funny parts. Uh, Mick, I and and he doesn't watch his movies. Okay, that's a little tidbit. Uh, Mickey Rourke really doesn't watch himself. He doesn't like it. <laughs> okay, some actors I've said that they they don't they hate to watch themselves. They're like I I want I look at myself every day. I don't need to see more of myself. Mickey doesn't watch himself. Mickey, I'll watch you. I love you. And I got to look down here. Folks, we're splitting this right in half. Got to do it. Mostly because I got to take a chill pill. I am fucking high on Mickey Rourke. And so should you. He's like a drug. You're mickeyed. You get micked. Ooh. Get micked. Watch one of his movies tonight. Watch a Mickey Rourke movie. It'll make you happy. Right? Or sad. If he's doing something sad, you might be sad. Okay, and we'll get into that. In the next episode, he does a few films, projects, work that are quite sad. Get a glimpse of the real guy. The real man, the real legend, he's a living legend. And we're going to get into, yeah, it's got to be a two-parter. We got to get into other things about this man that will make you go, okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This guy exists. He does. He exists. And you'll find out next week, a little cliffhanger. Things that make you go, wow. Mickey will do that to you. Believe me. I hope everybody out there is fantastic. I'm fantastic. I'm talking about Mickey Rourke and I feel good. I'm glad I'm doing this show again. It brings out emotion in me. And I love talking about these great people. The great. They're doing great things. We love to watch film. I do. And if you're listening to this show, uh, you probably do too. You put in a movie 
It relaxes you. It's entertaining. You get something out of it. Please support this show, The Actors Room. This is very important, by the way. And I'm going to come out, say it in a meaning in this. Go on to iTunes. I've said it before. I'm saying it again. And I'm getting angry now. Uh, My eyebrows are, they're freaking down. Against my eyes. Can you kind of hear it? And I'm going to say this. Go on to iTunes. Support the show. You go on there. You hear me? And you put in a five-star review. If you haven't done that yet. (laughs) I know you haven't. I know it. Do it. Do it. Please. Uh, My eyebrows are up now. I'm going to put them back down. I'm going to do it. Freaking do it. Please. It seriously takes two minutes, if that. Not even two minutes. That hurt. I clapped, and it actually hurt my ears. Okay. (laughs) It's because I'm in this small area, right? Ow. Oh, did you fucking put in the review yet? (laughs) Okay, this is what we're going to do, okay? I am going to wait until you do it. You're going to do it right now. You open up iTunes, okay? If you have an iPhone, you have no excuse. You go on to iTunes. (laughs) You click on it, and I'm going to wait. Go ahead. I'll wait. Sorry. I got time. I got, I have at least a few minutes. I actually have more than that. And I'm just going to sit here and wait. Uh, You're doing it right now, right? There you go, buddy. Good for you. Good for you, girly. (laughs) I didn't want to exclude anyone. Uh, And I call, if I called you girly, I'm sorry. Beautiful woman. You're young and fresh. You're beautiful. Or if you're a man, if you're a guy, you're manly. Look at the muscles on you. Doubtful. I used to have a little, I'm, I got to work out. That would be the day. Boy, am I rambling. So sorry. If you're still listening, you're being entertained by my babbling in the actor's room. But I was going to say, support the show. I mean, I, I do mean it. I'm joking around, but it really does matter. Uh, I haven't got a review in a while. It's been like whew, since March or something. It's December here. <laughs> Hello. That means uh, I need one very soon. I, I do mean it. It helps. And it'll put me higher on the list of people looking for shit, looking for actors, looking for movies. I'll come up. And, oh, by the way, oh, whoa, hey, whoa, 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 off topic, but not, (laughs) this is the actor's room, folks, I got some really interesting information, just, was it yesterday, no, it was two days ago, about River Phoenix, oh, yowha, I've been in touch with uh, 
friend of his. And boosh. The information I found out is like not enough to do an episode, but it might. It might. Some juicy and disturbing info. If you're sort of following my River Phoenix thing, I got as like a side thing. And if I feel it necessary, I will just jump in and do an update, incorporate it into the show, the actor's room. Because, folks, it was a mysterious death. You know it, and I know it. Or you should know it now. And I'm telling you, wow. It's like unfolding in ways that I was just like, I knew it was mysterious, and and I'm not crazy. Like... I knew something was up, but something is definitely like everything about it too. Like, and I'm finding out, hearing things here and there, and it's being confirmed by other sources. And I'm like, whoa. So there might be an update on River Phoenix again, like part two. There might be parts about this unbelievable and the world, how the world is. It's, oh my God, that we live in this bubble, most of us. We do, folks. Oh, we do. We have our comfy bubbles that we live in. These comfy bubbles of just our lives. Okay? Uh, they're quite simple. Believe me, they are. They're very simple. When you find out information about other stuff and you go, Really? And your bubble just pops for a second. And like you realize that the world's a big place and there's stuff that goes on and you go, wow. But thank you for listening to the actor's room. If you're still listening and you caught that, a sneak peek into future episodes. But I hope you enjoyed the first part of Mickey Rourke in the actor's room. My name is Jeff Tarowski. Leave comments and reviews. Visit the website, theactorsroom.lipson.com. And in the very beginning, you heard my daughter, Madeline. She did that recording of the show years ago. When I first started the show, I had her, I, I had a script I wrote down. And I'm like, sweetheart, I want you to read this script. I, I'm going to put it in my podcast and it said in the beginning, like my site and where you can find me. So listen to Madeline. She knows what she's talking about. Am I right? I'm right. All right. <laughs> what a day. Please stay tuned for information and the second part of Mickey Rourke. Fascinating cat. Can't wait to talk more about him next week. I want to do it right now. I can't because my voice is getting strained and I have to drink my tea. May you have a blessed day, a great day, and a wonderful night. See that movie? Enjoy it? Uh, open a nice beverage tonight. It's Christmas time. In a couple of days, it's going to be Christmas. And I did say I was going to do a Christmas movie. I said, fuck that. I don't want to talk about a fucking Christmas movie. I want to talk about Mickey Rourke instead. Thank God.
So that's what I did. That's awesome. I couldn't delay it anymore. So there it is. Part two next week. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a good one.